If you have your Bibles and you want to read along with us, we'll be reading, or for the next four weeks, we'll be in the book of Jonah. Now, if I came down and I asked you, what happened in the book of Jonah? What would be your main focus of the book of Jonah? fish. Everybody always talks about it. Some people say the whale. Some people say the big fish. The Baptist version of the Bible, which is the Holman standard, says a huge fish. Huge. We were going to Alabama for Katie's mother was sick, and we were going back to Alabama, and we stopped at a pilot service station just southeast of Memphis, and we went up, and we got four or three 44-ounce drinks. I thought that was a big drink, 44-ounce. I was happy. We walk up to the counter and set it down, and the lady looks at Katie and goes, Oh, honey, you could have got a huge drink. They only 94 cents. I didn't know they was a bigger drink than 44 ounces. So, but we all focus in on the fish. We focus in on Jonah. And then, then the fish spits him up. Well, we're going to go through all four chapters here, and, and we're going to talk about this. But it starts out, it says, The word of, God, of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Ammonite, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up from, and fled to Tarnish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarnish, Tarnish and he paid the fare, and he went down and got on it, and he went away from the Lord's presence. Father, this morning we just ask you that you be with us today, Lord. Father, that your word would be heard. Father, that your will would be done in people's hearts and lives. Father, we thank you for the fellowship and the fun we had this weekend, Lord. And Father, we just ask that those seeds that were planted... Father, that they keep being watered and nurtured and grown, Lord. And Father, that, that your will for those young men and women's lives that were here the other night, Father, that they stay in your presence and they don't run away from it. Lord, we just thank you for the ones that are here this morning. God, we just ask that you bless them. Father, for those that are not here, we ask that you watch over them, Father, and protect them. And Lord, we just ask as we go through this book of Jonah that, Father, we see what our plan or our part in your story really is and what we need to do to accomplish that. Father, we ask all this in your holy name. Amen. You ever done something wrong and you didn't want anybody to know it? I have. Well... It seems like one time this, this drunk husband came home late. He snuck up the stairs very quietly. And he got in and he looked in his bathroom mirror and he, 
and he bandaged up all the bumps and bruises that he had gotten earlier that night in a fight he was in. Then he proceeded to climb into bed and he started smiling because he thought he'd got away with something. The next morning when he finally opened his eyes, his wife was standing there and she said, you were drunk again last night, weren't you? And the husband sheepishly grinned and says, no, of course not. Why would you say that? And she said, well, if it wasn't you, somebody else put Band-Aids all over the bathroom mirror. I've never put Band-Aids on the bathroom mirror, but we all have done something in our life that we hope nobody finds out we did. Nobody finds out that where we were at or what we were doing. Well, Jonah had done the same thing. He was running away from God's direction, and he was hoping nobody else would find out about it. See, he didn't want to do what God had told him to do. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jonah, in a human state, with our mind that we have, did he have a right to run away and not want to go to Nineveh? Was it right for Jonah, in, in his mind, to leave? What was going on that made Jonah not want to go? Now we always read this story and it, it kind of portrays out that Jonah just didn't like him and didn't want, to, didn't want to go. But there was something else that was keeping Jonah from going. You see, during this time, God had delivered Israel out of all of our harm's way. And God had told the people, His people, that He would destroy any enemy that would come against them as long as they did His will. As long as they did what they were supposed to do, God would protect them. Well, as the Israelites went on, and we find out throughout history, they get happy and content for just a little while. It's like Johnny said this morning, you know, when they got air conditioning and it's cool, they're happy. If you come in here next Sunday morning and it's predicted to be over 100 degrees, the heat index will be about 106 or 8 next Sunday morning. And we did not have on any air conditioning. How many of you would stay? How many of you would just... Uh, but how many of you would come back the next week? See, I grew up without air conditioning. Our neighbors raised chickens. Well, back then, the, they had curtains on the sides. They put big screen doors on the front. You'd open it up, and my mother and daddy also invested in a couple of fans. They would put those in the bedroom windows to pull air through the house. The neighbor would open up the chicken house doors. You would wake up pulling feathers out of your nose the next morning. <laughs> and I thought it was natural. I didn't know there was ways you could sleep without not having chicken feathers tickle you. 
or bugs. Get an attic fan, crack a window just a little bit, sleep with your mouth open, and it'll look like you've ate cracked pepper the next morning. Black just... just... Well, the Israelites had gotten content. And they were not happy with all that they had. But they were not willing to make any fuss about it because the Assyrian army was going out and they were south of Israel. And as they were marching north, they were destroying every enemy that was against Israel. So Israel was tickled to death. Until it dawned on them, we're next. You ever had that moment come up in your life? I'm next. Well, this is what was happening. So when God came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh, this was the capital city of this terrible army. And you know what their secret weapon was? The Assyrian army? They used psychological warfare. They would take bodies that they had killed and they would impale them and stand them up on the sides of the roads in front of their homes, in front of their businesses, like trophies. They would cut the heads off and they would boil them till it was just a skull and they would pile them up. Some of their victims, they would take out. Some of their captives, they would take out into the street. And they would somehow hold them, tie them. And then they would skin them alive. This is the people that God told Jonah to go tell. That he loved them. Through everything bad they had done, all the awful stuff they were doing, God said, go tell them, if they'll stop and repent, I'll I'll save their city. Now, knowing that part of the story, if God had told you to go to Nineveh, would you have went? Knowing that you were going to walk into a place where you were more than likely not going to survive the journey out. How many of us would have been on the fast track to get there? Nobody. See, Jonah had gone up and run away because he did run away. He thought he could outrun the presence of God. Because Jonah was in fear. Because Jonah realized the Assyrian army had just entered into Damascus and was destroying it and all of its people. And they were next. So why? Why would God want him to go in and tell him, if you repent, I'll spare your life. That was an enemy Then Jonah saw with fear in his eyes when God told him, <clears throat> go into the presence of Nineveh and tell them that I'm going to save them if they'll repent. He didn't want to go. Now, I don't know about you, but 
I've had places that, that I've had to go that I did not want to go. And I've had to enter into some places and tell people some stuff that was not good news. And I didn't want to go. And I would hem-haw and do everything. Y'all know what hem-haw is? I mean, I didn't know if y'all hem-hawed in Kansas. They do it a lot in Alabama. My grandmother and granddad looked at them boys. They just hem-hawing around out there. Well, I went looking for him and haul. I didn't know who he was. But I, they, they didn't, I didn't want to go tell them the news. But I had to go. Same thing with Jonah. He did not want to go to his bitter enemy knowing what he could have happened to him when he arrived. Now, yesterday is our group that was here working and they went across the street and they helped out one of our neighbors. If they had seen him sitting on his front porch with a couple of bodies impaled out here for decoration and some skulls piled up over here. And he's got a, another one staked out over here that he's made a few cuts in and he's getting ready to peel the skin off. Do you think our group would have went across and helped out? Probably not. Probably as good parents, you would have grabbed your children and ran. But God said, Jonah, Go to Nineveh and tell them I love them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, and if there's any young people in the room, and you wonder why your parents named you what they did or how they named you or anything, Nineveh was founded by Noah's grandson. And I don't know what his parents were thinking, but do you know what his name was? Nimrod. Can you imagine going through school with a name like Nimrod? Oh, we, when I was in school, that boy would have been tortured. But this was what Noah's son founded, this grandson founded this city. But God told Jonah, go and warn those people. Well, Jonah didn't go. Instead, he went out and he got, went down to the local cruise line and he booked him a cruise to Alaska. He was going to set sail for weeks at a time. And when he got up there, he was going to look at all the beautiful scenery. He was going to look at all the live animals that he didn't get to see. And everything was going to be great. He was going to lounge out by the pool and have people bring him something to drink. If he wanted to eat, he could stand in the pool, tell a little fella in a white uniform with white socks and white shoes, bring me a slice of pizza, and they'd bring it to him in the pool. This is what Jonah, not really, but this is what we do. God will say, I want you to go, and I want you to share, and I want you to witness, and what do we do? I don't like him well enough. How many in here today are afraid when you walk out that door that you're going to get impaled? That somebody's going to be standing outside that door with a sword 
ready to cut your head off. Any of y'all afraid of that today? I'm not. This seems like a pretty peaceful neighborhood. Other than the mosquitoes that have to have driver's license and ID cards that live in Kansas, I'm not afraid of the people here. Seems like a good place. So Jonah went down and he got on the boat and he was going to go away and get away from God's presence. He was going to go as far away from the direction that God wanted him to go as he could get. And we as Christians do that ourselves today. We'll go as far away from the direction and calling that God has placed in our hearts and in our lives that we can get. We can go and and we'll use every excuse in the world on why we can't go. My car broke down. You can pay $100 a month for cell phones that can take pictures and voicemails and texting and call, and you can't call somebody with that phone to get a ride? Oh, uh, it's hot. Church is air-conditioned. Most places you'll go today are. Very few are, are not. Oh, I can't go because nobody will watch my kids. Now pick your feet up because I might step on somebody's toes. But you can drop them off somewhere at a church and let other people watch them while you go do what you want to do. But you can't find somebody to watch them to go tell them what God loves them and how much He does and what He cares for them. We'll run as far and as hard and as fast as we can to get away from God. Doing what He wants us to do. And we don't have the threat that Jonah had. There's not a mighty army waiting in Galena to to capture Riverton. I've been through Galena. It's not that big. There's not that many places that they could hide. I've been to Baxter Springs. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they start rolling up the streets so you can't drive on them. You're not in a hostile area. Some of us simply need to walk across the floor and have a seat by somebody that we're related to and tell them God loves them and that He cares about them. Some of us may need to walk down the hall and knock on a teenager's door and go in and sit down on their bed. And maybe you need to tell them you love them and share with them what God has done for you. But we won't do that. We'll run as far as we can. We're afraid. What are we afraid of? We're not afraid of that mighty army because it's not there. But we're afraid of what people will think about us. We're afraid of 
well, if I go witness to them, they'll think I'm a Jesus freak. And if I go share the love of God with them, they may not invite me to their next Christmas party. Or their kids won't come here at Halloween. Or, or when my kids go to their place at Halloween, they'll get the cheap candy and not the good stuff. My wife one year, and, and, and I know several of y'all said, quit picking on her, and I can't help it. I'm built this way. My wife one year went out at Halloween, and she bought pencils and rulers and all this stuff, and we passed all that stuff out, and we ain't had a trick-or-treater since. <laughs> I thought she was, you know, look, you know, she, well, yeah, but it was a brilliant idea. They don't come back. A lot of us do that with our Christianity. We don't present the good things that God has done for us. We don't tell Him how much He loves us and what He did for us this week. We'll run and we'll go on. When Jonah 4 through 16, and, and we're going to paraphrase this. The Lord caused a violent wind to come up and the seas became very rough. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When the sailors that went out every day and sailed in all types of weather start getting afraid, you should too. You should be afraid. I have a friend that works on the police department in Bentonville, Arkansas. He's on the SWAT team. He's on the bomb squad. He has a t-shirt. On the back it says, if you see me running, keep up. Because there's something bad back there. These men were sailors. They were men among men. A little wave and a little water didn't scare them. But this storm terrified them. It terrified them so much that they were praying to every God they knew. And the captain was looking because he said, there's something out of place here that's causing this turmoil. Has your life ever been tossed around and thrown around and there's turmoil everywhere? And you start looking at your friends. You start looking at family and you start looking at co-workers and you start looking, some of us, at pills and bottles and other things to find peace. Or then we'll start looking and we'll go, no, be that over there because I ain't done that in a long time. And it can't be this over here because that doesn't mean that well. But the captain knew there was something wrong. So he went down to the very pit, the very bottom of the ship. And there he found Jonah asleep. I could have been Jonah. My wife says I can sleep on a rock in the desert at high noon and never do anything but roll over. That's what Jonah was doing. Jonah was sound asleep, sleeping good. And the captain woke him up and said, Get up and pray to your God. I want to ask you this morning, have you searched the very pit of your soul to find out what is bothering you? What is making turmoil and trouble and trivial in your life? 
We want to look for the obvious. Oh, it's that new preacher we got. He don't, talk, he, he don't preach sermons I need. Or it, it's that music. I, if, if they would sing the right songs on Sunday morning, it would touch me and I could be moved. Or my Sunday school teacher, they don't prepare all the way. I, they, only, they only give me half a lesson. Or it's that person sitting beside me. If they wouldn't cross their legs and uncross them, they wouldn't tap on the foot, they wouldn't do this or that. We look for everything else except right here to see what's hurting, to see what needs to be taken out. Well, Jonah got up and he said, it's me. Y'all can quit doing all this other stuff over here. I'm the one at fault. See, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship Yahweh. And Yahweh told me to do something, and I didn't do it, and this is Him getting my attention. So they get up top, and they're, they, they're well, he, he don't know. He's goofy. He's deranged. He's sleeping in a storm. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. That it was him. And now they're trying to figure out what to do. And Jonah says, I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to pick me up and throw me overboard, and everything will be fine. Well, the sailors didn't want to throw somebody out into those seas, they knew they were rough. You ever watch the show Deadliest Catch? Go up crab fishing. I always, you know, I just, they make really good money. They don't work that many, that many months out of the year. And, but I watched that show and I see them fighting the storms out on the Bering Sea. And I see the ice and I see the, the, the bad things that happen. And every now and then they show where somebody fell off one of those boats. And there's only a few seconds, maybe a few minutes that they have to rescue that person before they die. And these sailors knew if we throw Jonah out in this storm, he's going to die. How many of us as Christians today care enough about somebody we've never met to not throw them out into the storms of life and let them but drown on their own. Honestly, how many of us are encouragers enough to share that somebody you've never met before the story of how God loves them? Or better than that, how many of you will look around and you'll tell your fellow members here or you'll tell somebody in your family or you'll tell somebody the reason we're having this turmoil and this strife and this trouble is because of me. It's me. And as soon as I get out of doing the Satan's will and now start doing God's will, it'll all straighten up. How many of us are willing to let go 
of what's buried deep down inside of us that we know we need to be doing. But yet we run and we don't. And life is throwing us from side to side and up and down. And, and our family is, is hurting. Our friends are hurting. Our church is suffering. But we're not willing to give up that part. Jonah said, throw me overboard. And as soon as the men latched a hold of him, y'all ever latch a hold of something? And when you latch a hold of something, that means you've got a grip tight enough on it that nothing's going to pull it out of you, your hands. And I could see him now, those grown men and walking to the edge of the ship and and looking at those waves and looking at Jonah and looking at those waves and looking at Jonah and Jonah saying, it's me. And as soon as they hurled Jonah overboard, the storm stopped. This morning, as soon as we get that deepest part of our life that's wrong, as soon as we get it out, as soon as we throw it away, as soon as... God says as far as the east is from the west. Now if I want to be correct, as far as the east is from the west. <clears throat> as soon as we get it out, how our lives smooth out. And everything becomes what it should be. Our lives become whole and complete. Our families start becoming together as one. Our church starts to grow. Our community sees there's a difference in them. And all, it, all we did was get the bad part and throw it away. I'm an apple snob. I like a certain kind of apple. And if you give me another kind of apple besides the one I like, I'm going to look it over for every spot, every blemish, anything I can reject it for. And then I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to whittle out anything that I don't like. And by the time it gets through, it looks like I'm eating an apple that was made in a Swiss cheese factory. There's just holes all in it. And then if you put enough salt on it and get it cold enough, it, it, it might taste like an apple. A lot of us are that way in our lives. God is offering you the, jo the joy, the hope, the salvation that you need. But we're picky because we want it the way we want it. How we want it, when we want it, and where we want it. Well, Jonah, as he went over the edge of that ship, and he landed in the water, I wonder what was running through his mind. Because as soon as he sees that he has hit that water, and it's still in turmoil, over here that boat he just got out of is on smooth water sailing. How many of us in our lives today can look over at a point and see smooth sailing? How many of us in our lives today can look up and, and look over at somebody else's life and think, man, they've, 
they're not going through what I'm going through. They're not having to suffer what I'm suffering through. And I, I wonder how come it, it just... I wonder how come I can't live happy. And why I can't feel joy. While we're over here tossing around in, in, in rough waters and, our, and the sea of life is just throwing us to and fro. Next week, uh, we're going to take our kids down to Whitewater. And, oh, if it was 20 years ago, I would, oh, I would drown every one of them. I'd hold them under and I'd, I would have a ball. But you go to these wave pools and you see these waves that are just crashing back and forth and, and they get on these little bitty pieces of styrofoam and they get out there and they try to ride on them and they wipe out and they get a, they know they can get out at any time. We as Christians, we're tossed about and we're thrown all over everywhere and, and we don't have that little piece of styrofoam to save us that we can ride on. And as we look around, all we see is troubled seas all the way around us. And then we think this can't get any worse. And all of a sudden, you get swallowed up. Now, I have, I've not done it. I've been told that places in California, some in the Northeast, you can go and spend $220 a person and ride out on these little bitty rubber rafts that are inflated with air, and you can ride out and ride in the middle of the whale pod that's feeding and sit there and take these pictures of these whales that are coming up and bubbling up. And they come up and they, they hit the top of the water and they blow everything out of their, of their blowhole and it gets all over you. And you've just paid $220 to get whale snot blown in your hair. But us as Christians, We'll spend more than that to let the world dump all over us. It'll throw stuff at you a lot worse than whale snot. It's well, whale snot will wash off. But there's some of this stuff that the world's throwing at you will not come off. You see, when we think, oh, I am in the very lowest and it can't get any worse... best thing about it is God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and he didn't go the last verses of Matthew the very last verses in, in Matthew our Lord and Savior looked at us looked at the men that were with him and he looked at Christians today and he told them to go. To go. Make disciples. Go and tell. He said go. We may be tossing about to and fro. Bouncing off the walls. 
But if we'll get in the deepest part of our heart and our soul and take out that which God does not intend for you to carry and not intend for you to bear that load, and we throw it out, our sea will become calm. It doesn't matter how hard we run in the other direction. Now we always blame Noah or Jonah. We always blame Jonah and say, well, if he had just done what God told him to do, if we would just do what God tells us to do. God's son said, go tell. He didn't say go over there and build a great big city. He didn't say go over there and make it the most spectacular thing in the world. This circus act and then draw them in. He said just go tell. Go tell them that I love them. Go tell them that I care about them. Go tell them I'm concerned for their souls. And we want to run the opposite direction. And wonder. And we wonder why life swallows us up. We wonder why that huge fish we call family and friends and work, community, just seems to swallow us up to where it looks like we have no no future, no joy, no peace. This morning as we get ready to sing our invitation song, I've asked the, the praise team for the next three weeks to sing this one song for our invitation. And it's a song by David Crowder. And it says, come as you are. Just come as you are. God didn't ask Jonah to go over there and tell Nineveh to get cleaned up and dressed up and and get rid of everything that they had. And he said, go tell them to come to me. When Christ in the book of Matthew said, go make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, loving them, and growing them in Christ and in the Spirit and knowledge, He didn't say go over there and clean them up and make their cities look beautiful and make their houses immaculate. He said, go tell them to come. Go tell them to come, to come unto Me. And there's one line in the chorus of this song. It says, come as you are. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. This morning as our praise team comes, as we all stand, and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and we get ready. Father, this morning, I I just ask that, Father, if you're bidding hearts to go some direction, Father, if you're asking us to follow you or or go and and go out into the community and go out into, Lord, maybe our own families, Father, that we'll just come as we are. And Father, that you'll do the cleaning up. Father, that you'll be the one that takes our troubles, our heartaches, our burdens, and Lord, just throws them away. Father, that you're the one that we bring these, your children to. Lord, this morning we just ask, Father, that 
that your children would, would come as they are. Bring their burdens and their sorrows. And Father, let you, let you take them. Father, that as the world swallows us up and we look like we have no way of going, Lord, we just ask that we direct ourselves to you. And Father, this morning, as we sing this song, come as you are, God, that we will come just like we are and bring it all to you. And Father, as Jonah was thrown overboard, Father, we throw that sin out of our lives when we come to you. Father, as the peace and the wave ceased and everything become calm, God, we know that if we let you take it out of our hearts and our lives, Father, our lives will become, Father, that peaceful sailing. And we can find true joy and happiness, Lord. Father, this morning as we sing, just let your children come. It's in your name we ask. Amen. Amen.